So today's topic is Wordsworth Ode Intimations of Immortality from Recollections of Early Childhood. Uh, the ode was written in two parts between 1802 and 1804. Uh, the first four stanzas were completed in 1802 and uh, the rest in 1804. The first part was uh, read to Coleridge. It ends with uh, the mood of despondency at the loss of the visionary gleam of childhood days. Coleridge reminded Wordsworth that the light he lost was not in nature but in himself, the loss of his shaping spirit of imagination. To impress this idea, he wrote Dejection and Ode, in which he says that nature in inert and uh, that it is from the mind of man, uh, the light that illumines nature proceeds. So this was the spiritual crisis because uh, words were thought that it was nature that endowed man with spiritual powers. He put forth this idea in the remaining seven stanzas of his own. The two poems together epitomizes the whole cult of man and nature and their inextricable relationship. So the theme of Wordsworth poem is the vindication of the immortal nature of the human spirit intuitively known by the child partly forgotten by the growing man but to be recovered in maturity through intense experience of heart and mind the american critic observes that the poem is about growing up that is it is a process of education cm bowra in his the romantic imagination calls the poem the crown of his work Here he is means Wordsworth and his last word on the central problem of his creative life. Wilson Knight chimes in with his own adulation in his The Starlit Dome. It is probably Wordsworth's most finally uh, satisfying human work. It is his only poem at once human, happy and powerful. It is a vision of essential, all-conquering life. The symbol which carries this over to us are flowers springtime joy word music all young life and preeminently the child the word ode indicates the poem is a highly formal ceremonious complexly organized lyrical poem wordsworth continues the reflective character of the horizon ode Uh, he combines the reflective character of the horatian ode with the occasional na- nature of the pindaric ode the practice of english poets since spenser had associated the ode with a serious tone the use of heightened diction and enrichment by poetic devices the stanza form of wordsworth ode is neither pindaric nor horatian its varied line lengths irregular stanza like pattern and complex rhyming pattern is wordsworth's own making through spenser's influences mostly felt milton's lycidas is another influence to reckon with because wordsworth too was aiming at building the lofty theme a lofty rhyme of an epic poem of which this was a prologue we can also sense an elegiac tone of loss and recovery in short in its combination of passionate meditation its celebration of life victorious and its intense personal involvement the ode is the greatest in english language the poem was originally published as ode a title that was further expanded into ode 
intimations of immorality immortality from recollections of early childhood it suggests that the poem is a searching for evidences signs and tokens for emotions embedded in childhood memory immortality in this context is life before birth not after death words of definition of poetry as emotion recollected in tranquility comes alive here instead of tranquility it is some kind of crisis that is at the heart of the poem what that crisis is not evident expect that the poet is seeking some kind of spiritual self assurance the epigraph is a sign of her search for such a conviction about life as immortal beyond the reach of death the child is father of man sums up the central theme of the poem it is apparent a recollection of milton lines in paradise regained caught the childhood shows the man as morning shows the day life is an organic whole it opens out like a flower from its bud the various phases of life are organically linked to each other by natural piety piety is a religious devotion but an organic process this is the spiritual unity that the poem seeks out this meaning of the poem is best explicated by lionel trilling in his essay on the ode trilling tells us that the ode is not about the failure of the poet's poetic powers but rather about growing up this poem is also about ways of seeing and about ways of knowing the principle of the continuity of the human self is at the very heart of the poem though on the way the speaker he speaks about the antithesis between youth and age the structure of the poem is the very best demonstration of organic unity in english poetry the following moments or sections are characteristics of this unity first is the laws of vision that is discussed in from stanza 1 to 4 and second is the nature of the laws of vision and an attempt to explain its causes uh, discussed in stanza 5 to 8 and third is uh, the reconciliation uh, the recompense and the acceptance that is discussed in stanzas 9 to 11 so the following analysis will bring out the sense of unity uh first is stanza 1 to 4 The setting of the poem is a May morning. Uh, what the poet sees and hears around him reminds him of the time when he was able to see all the natural phenomena dressed in a heavenly light. That light is no more seen. Things which I have seen, I now can't see no more. The beauty of nature is still there, but he cannot see them as an inner vision of celestial glory. He hears the song of birds with joy, but there is a grief within him that prevents him from spiritually sharing that joy. He will not impose his gloom on nature. It is he who is gloomy, not nature. The tree, the field, the flower retain the light and he can be happy at their sight. but the settled gloom surges up into a sense of inexplicable loss whither is fled the visionary gleam whose is it now the glory and the dream next section is from 5 to 8 uh, in the next four stanzas wordsworth attempts an explanation for the loss of imagination he has suffered 
For this, uh, he falls back upon the Platonic idea of man's prenatal existence. Of course, he modifies Plato to suit his own philosophy of man and nature. Plato says that man utterly forgets his immortality with his earthly birth. In Wordsworth, we come into the world not in utter forgetfulness, not in entire nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. So heaven lies above us. The soul within us is rising like a star. Human self is closest to its divine origin in its infancy. The process of growing older is a steady movement away from the fountains of light. The prison house of the body grows around the growing boy who still can see in his joy the original light. The youth is still nature's priest and the light is on his way attended. At length, the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. The common day is the life of the adult. Maturity at this point in the poem seems only degeneration. Experience of existence clouds out the inner light of imagination, but the foster mother earth is her way of wearing the child away from the heavenly glories he has known and the imperial palace from where he came. <coughs> the homely nurse induces the child to become her inmate man. The child, that is the six-year-old son of Coleridge, is among his uh, newborn blisses fondly by father fondled by father and mother he imitates his elders uh, learning how to grow up as if his old vocation were endless imitation so it is by intimating uh, imitating that man acquires knowledge and life being a seven ages of seven ages drama of growing up to palsied age so why should this degeneration take place? Why should the youth grow up into maturity and lose his original power of questioning the unreality of the phenomenal world? Why should he give up his high instincts, those shadowy recollections, the fountain light of all our days, the heaven-born freedom, the poet laments the lot of the growing youth, full soon thy soul shall have her earthly fright, a custom, lies upon thee with a weight heavy as frost and deep almost as life so this is the inexplicable destiny of mighty prophets here blessed the best philosopher uh, next is from stanza 9 to 11 and suddenly there is a reawakening in the poet all is not lost there is a contradiction here Trilling says that this paradox is to be understood. It does not have to be resolved. Much of the power of the poem comes from this tension. There still remain the power of recollection, memory, which is nature's great gift to man. Or joy that in our embers, in something that doth leave, that nature yet remembers what was so fugitive. Man has the power of recollection of coming from early childhood that ensures him that he is immortal. The sources of memory, uh, first is delight and liberty, the simple creed of childhood, second is obstinate questioning of sense and outward things, then uh, those first affections, those shadowing recollections, thanks are due to memory, 
Hence, in a season of calm weather, though in land far be, our souls have sight of that immortal sea, which brought us hither, can in a moment travel thither, and see the children sport upon the shore, and keep the mighty waters rolling evermore. Unquote. In short, we retain the power of emotion recollected in tranquility. Poetry is the saving grace of life. The poem again, the poet again feels the gladness of May. Let nature celebrate all seasons. His reason for grimming in the for joining in the celebration is that he has found new strength. He has learned how to live with the loss of imagination. Though the radiance which was once so bright has been forever taken from his sight, now that nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, of glory in the flower, what is the compensation? Versot says, the primal sympathy, which having been must ever be, the soothing that spring out of human suffering, and third is the faith that looks through death, the years that bring the philosophic mind. The philosophic mind replaces the transforming light of the imagination. So Wordsworth's message is that it is not by the light of imagination that mature man can live. Rather, he must live by the tenderness, tenderness, joys and fears of the human heart. When you see with the light of imagination, we see things transformed into something rich and strange. When you see with the eye of the philosophic mind, the clouds that gather round the setting sun, take on a sobbing flower, sobering color. The poet still feels in her heart the might of the court, mountains, meadows, hills and groves. He is more passive in his response, yet in my heart of hearts, I feel your might. They do not feel his might. They do not have a glory because of what imagination does to them. He now lives in their more habitual sway. The vision splendid has been replaced by the eye that hath kept watch over man's mortality. So it is this philosophic maturity that makes him declare, quote, To me the meanest flower that blows can give thoughts that do often lie too deep for tears. The paradox is in the conclusion that the old may not be more about intimations of mortality than of immortality. Uh, next is uh, his concept of oneness. As a ball, he was convinced of the oneness of all being, that is, uh, the material world as he saw, it was permeated by the wisdom and spirit of the universal, by the divine presence. This was an extremely important contribution at a time in which Newtonian science had almost persuaded men that God had created the universe to run by itself according to nature laws, but had no further dealings with it. Wordsworth was sure that the spirit of God was to be found in the meanest flower that blows in the song of the birds and in the minds of men. Now we should distinguish Wordsworth's religious attitude towards nature from that of the pantheist. The pantheist sees God in everything and so he worships natural objects, a tree, snake, etc. Wordsworth did not do that. He is not a pantheist, but he does believe that God permeates the whole of creation. 
uh, he may call on the wisdom and spirit of the universe but he will not worship a cuckoo or a daffodil the cuckoo recalled to him that the earth was also an unsubstantial fairy place the daffodils spoke to him of the joyous spirit that pervaded earth sky and the flowers so it is because of this joy in the dance of the flowers in the breeze that his heart also dances every time he remembers the experience because it recalls that joy is at the heart of the universe so now such experiences are very important and fundamental to certain people in fact this constituted the poet's faith or his religion this religion was based on his personal experience now it seems as though that experience is fading away Uh, the fundamental experience of his moral and spiritual life as well as his poetic life seems to be in danger of disappearing he had not uh, noticed it uh, till he found that he could compose simple poems on the experience of his childhood from memory and he finds that he is not deprived of joy and pleasure in nature as we see in the poem on the whole the mood of the poem is not one of dejection but of joy and in this it is very different from coleridge's poem on the same subject and next is uh, here he presents a personal problem so near his heart and soul and the opening stanzas have an unsurpassed beauty a high level of poetic quality and he had not thought of the problem at that time Wordsworth was never in a hurry to rush into solution he took his time and when he was sure of what he wanted to say what he felt to be true he goes on to present his theory based on experience so here again he shows himself a mature and worthy poet next is uh, the influence of plato there is a we may or may not agree with this theory but he found one which fitted his experience and which seemed to him to be true as mentioned by the greek philosopher plato we can say that we may not say that or none of the romantic poets were distinctly christian in their religious experience not even blake but they were all religious men with an experience of the spirit which was their own so wordsworth is not able to draw from the usual christian doctrine uh, since it does not fit his experience and with the development of quantum physics and einstein's theories uh, both science and religion are coming closer to the concept of universe pervaded by the spirit in the way in which wordsworth presents it uh, the oneness of all nature is certainly being promoted today and we know that the destruction of any part of the ecological system has repercussions on the whole scale of life so this is a fact that wordsworth would have been very conscious of due to his understanding of nature and the spirit behind it the resilience of the wordsworth spirit under this stress is in direct contrast to that of coleridge he makes uh, he is not uh, depressed he makes the decision to face the situation and not only finds the reason for his experience he decides to combat it with all the force of his personality uh, he is determined to fall back on his memories and his love of humanity and the philosophic mind that he has developed 
so uh, we can see that he remained great because his spiritual and poetic insight his concept of the oneness of the universe permeated by spirit his strength of character mastery of the art poetry so we will say that wordsworth is a master poet and may considered as the third great english poet after shakespeare and milton so the effect of his theory on the 19th century was great